there's women who've come alongside me, younger women, who just said, how can I help you do what you do? Yeah. And so it's like they kind of held my arms. And so those are the women. It's like, I'm running fast, so you got to keep up. Mm -hmm. And so when, you, when that happens, you go, oh, here, let me help you. And so now they're like partners with me in a lot of things. And so yeah. I feel like sometimes we're looking to be mentored, but we're not actually willing to come alongside somebody. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. Hey, I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. Great to have you on the show, Michael, today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, And it's great to have our guest, man. I always enjoy any time we can spend uh, time with Holly Wagner. And Holly and her husband, Philip, are the founding pastors of Oasis Church, a growing multicultural church that's in the LA area, my hometown area. They've been married for for now, a thousand years. A thousand years. A thousand years. Uh, but officially 36, right? No, like, no, no, even like, more. Yeah, like ah, 38. 38. Oh, good. I think that's right. right. All right, two children, yeah. Jordan and Paris, and Holly is also the founder of She Rises, formerly known as God Chicks, yep. a movement that has empowered thousands of women around the world. And it's such an honor to have you with us today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I yeah. I love these conversations. Yeah, look forward with to you them. and the. VP of innovation. innovation. Right, right, right. Because the VP of catch-all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, see, I love that that's what that is. Right, exactly. Yeah. I want to start our conversation out by talking about your uh, role at Oasis Church with your husband, Pastor Philip. You you founded Oasis, what, in 84? 1984. 1984. Mm -hmm. And what a powerful testimony. Tell us about your journey leading the church and, and the ministry and how it's impacted your life. Okay. We started the church in 1984 and then got married in 1985. Can I just say that's a really bad idea? <laughs> wow. Let me just Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, start out by that. Just like, you know, we started it kind of we were obviously engaged and then it was like ridiculous. We should not have done it that way. So, let me just warn everybody, don't do that. Um but yeah, and it's interesting when we started the church, I actually was still acting. I had had a series for a while, was doing you know, tons of commercials and guest star things. And so when we had a church of 10 people, it was my salary as an actor that was actually wow. paying our bills. So right. Philip was really grateful wow. for all those residual checks. Yeah. So I did that probably for like the first 10 years or so wow. of church. And then, then eventually, you know, I shifted more into kind of the full-time ministry part. But yeah. anyway, it was quite the adventure in urban LA. Mm, you nice. know, LA is very... Secular. So yeah, there's no... Say the least. That's yeah. a good word for it. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, well, you know, Ken, you're from LA. It's yeah. the most diverse city in our country. Right. It's more languages are spoken there. So it's incredibly diverse. Mm -hmm. And um, which is awesome and challenging, right? To get yeah. a diverse people to yeah. walk, walk yeah. together. Right. Um, right. But I love it. And the thing I loved about it was there's no pretending. Yeah. You're either... A believer or you're not. Mm. So I think sometimes in some of the areas of our country, you know, the Bible Belt, perhaps you can pretend they right. know how to do that. They know how to, they know how to go right. through the motions, right? right? right. Well, in exactly. LA, they don't know how to go through the motions. So right. they'll come up to you at the end of a message and go, that was a great talk. There was no right. like BS, only they didn't say BS, right? So right, right. they just, so just real. Yeah, right. And exactly. I, I, so I kind of like that part. Yes. Yeah. You know, just the, the real part. But. Well, so walk us through the, how did, how does, Acting and church planting fit together. How did that work? Yeah. What, what happened there? And, I, and maybe yeah. that may not be everybody's path either. Right. <laughs> but when I met Philip, uh, he was already in ministry, mm -hmm. and I was in a series, mm -hmm. television series. So I was kind of already doing that, and right. he wasn't quite sure what to do with this actress girl because, you know, we have no morals. Right. And um, so, but he For watched sure. me make 
some pretty hard decisions, even as an actress, you know, turning down certain mm-hmm. things and yeah. and doing my best to, you know, follow Jesus. So then when he got it in his heart to start a church, I was just kind of along for the ride. And then mm-hmm. it kind of, within a few years, it became us. Yeah. But it yeah. probably didn't start that way. It just kind of became us the right. more we were in it together. Yeah. And so how did that grow? You know, a lot of church founders, like we, we're seeing more and more, right, the, the couples ministry, right, where it's both... Both are together working. How did it feel? How did it work for you guys to kind of grow into that over time? Yeah, I, to be honest, I think it's a great way to do it yeah. because I think every church needs a uh, a mother and a father voice. Mm. You know, just like a healthy family yeah. Yeah. has a mother and a father. I mean, we do we can do all things, right? So there's the single parent home, which you can make that healthy. I'm not mm. saying that you can't, mm-hmm. but in a in a church world, it's really great to have the male and female voice present. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we began to realize that. So to have, you know, the mothers see things differently, the fathers see right, things differently, right. and it's that's what makes it strong. Yeah. Right. right. Nobody's better than it's just that mm-hmm. together, you know, way back. Yeah. Remember Genesis yeah. when God said together they, yes, they Yeah. Exactly. Remember that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. believe that. Yeah. And so yeah, what so always good. happens when people talk about this conversation, this is what I'm curious about, is that I feel like I've, I can hear it, right? I've heard the the theology bros and different people say on this side, is like, well, who makes the ultimate decision, right? Like even in our marriages, people are like, who makes the ultimate decision? How do you speak to that? Because I feel like it's, that's not a real question. Help yeah, us understand well, that. It's just like every corporation has a CEO, right? Right. So there's that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like Ken, you're the president, but you don't make every decision. Right, you trust right. your team to right. bring stuff to the table. So that's a little bit how that the structure can... of a church would work in that right. sense. But... Um, but do you remember Ephesians 5? It starts yeah. with yeah. mutual submission. Right. Right. It's, funny. it's funny. Submission, everybody think, is the you know, the married Christian term. Actually, submission is just Christian. Christian, mm-hmm. yeah. Like right. we're all submitted to him, right? right? right. And his plan and his path and, mm-hmm. and submitting to each other. So in our marriage, there are certain things I'm better at. So mm-hmm. Philip goes, yeah, you do that. Yeah. And there's yeah. certain things he's better. Right. Yeah, he does that. Yeah. So yeah. it's the mutual exactly. submission yeah. and not yeah. fighting for position. And so I feel like even that in the church culture, mm-hmm. there are things that I was better at. There's things that other people on the team are better at because right. we're in this together, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's not about my show or my way or it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. sometimes top-down leadership is the easiest way to go. It's like, do it because I said it. Said it right. right. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. I just don't think that's always healthiest, right? right. So bringing more of a team kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And obviously there is... A, the decision maker, but yeah. it's not like you make decisions in a vacuum. Yeah. Right, so. right, right. So, so when you started uh, Oasis back in what, it, it was 85? 84. 84. Oh, 84, we got 84, married in 85. Got, and by the way, when in 85 did you get married? January. January? So we started in my April wa- of 84, married in January of 85. My wife and I got married in June of 85. Okay, so that was the great year. year. It was a great, a great year. year. Great year. Um, when you started Oasis, how, I, knowing LA culture, how did, you, how did you start to impact that culture to see... Oasis start attracting people to to the church? Um, I think the thing that um, we did great, I mean, there's a long list of mistakes, which that can be the second part of the podcast, but (laughs) some things that we did right was was actually have this heart for diversity from the beginning. So LA, again, is a pretty diverse culture. So our church has been that from the beginning. So in fact, one of the the latest 
surveys that was done before we handed off the leadership of the church was it was 20% Caucasian, 20% black, 20% Asian, 20% Hispanic, and then the other 20 married each other. And so just like the diversity (laughs) factor. So um, very diverse. And so I think even from the beginning, we were pretty intentional about Uh, that, about who was at our leadership table. People would come and they... In fact, people did some of their dissertations coming to our church because they would see the diversity piece, right. mm-hmm. and they'd be like, how did you do this? Yes. We want to do this. And I would say, well, that's great. So tell me what your friends look like. Because mm-hmm. if your friends all look like you, you'll never have a diverse church. Oh, that's great. Right. And if, mm-hmm. if the only time you know, if people at your dinner table all the time only look like you, you'll never have a diverse right. church. So yeah. you got to open your circle a little bit. Yeah, so, right. so good. So I think that's just one of the things that we did that, again, made it hard, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because you got to get a right. diverse you know, diversity sounds great, but you got to get everybody walking in step. Right. Right. So, um, but right. I love it. I wouldn't. Right. So it's almost for me when I'm in a homogenous culture, it makes me yeah. feel a little awkward. Yeah, yeah right. sure. Absolutely. But it takes a lot of courage to get yourself to open up to everything. I think that's the thing that a lot of people, they don't, they don't even, they're not trying to, but it, it's when you start putting them that pressure on there, how do you help them overcome that hump to be like, hey, it's, it's okay, you know, based, depending on their path past and background and different things like that. Well, it's just like anything. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you want, you, you keep your, you keep your circle open. So you Mm -hmm. have people who have experienced, um, who are absolute bigots coming in. Well, you want them to come in because they're going to learn and grow here. Right. Right. And the people who experience racism, you want them to come here because they're going to learn and grow here. So you just got to keep your heart kind of open and you have to be really clear about teaching yeah. So, I mean, I know in the last few years, because of what's happened in our own country, we've people, you know, churches are finally addressing it, but we've been talking about it for 35 years. Right. So there, were, every year we did a whole series on racial reconciliation, racial healing, talking. So it was very normal for us, mm. you know, to acknowledge things and to talk about it. So I think that's the, normalizing the hard conversations. Right. And then I think the other thing that probably we did, and this is really kudos to Philip, is that he's very non-religious. Mm. So his language, he was raised in an extremely conservative, fundamental denomination, and then rebelled against that. In fact, this movie that's coming out, mm-hmm. that's his story, uh, right? So he's part of the Jesus Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so he was you know, raised with those stri- so strict yeah, upbringing. Right. And so for him, he just started communicating in a way that was real and raw, and I think that Kind of resonated. Yeah. yeah, resonated. That's yep. right with people. Yeah, that's so good. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about She Rises. You're very passionate about seeing church growth and seeing every, you know, woman embrace God's de- design for mm-hmm. for their life. What motivated you to start this organization? How how has it grown, developed over the years? Yeah, it's. Um, I feel like in, you know, certainly all over, but in particularly Hollywood, there's this. Uh, sort of devaluing of the woman or there's value placed on her because of what she looks like. And and then certainly we've seen just the um, disregard, if you will, of women in so many arenas. And so for me, years and years ago, I thought, you know, I'm just going to get some of the girls in my room, my church together. There was just a small group of us, and I'm going to talk about their worth and their value, mm. communicate what that is. And then, and it's not just so that we can go, hey, you're amazing. Yeah. No, it's so that we can actually now go out and make the world a better place so that we can, you know, it's like we're not the, excuse me for being so cheesy, the princesses to serve, we're the ones to serve, to do, you know, the serving, not be served, right? Right. And so I think that's how it started. So we would gather the girls to 
encourage them, inspire them, and then now go do something. And so there was always projects associated with what can we do. So it started small and then, you know, just kind of evolved over the years until just a, you know, a few years ago, we had um, our conferences in the Dolby where they have the Academy yeah, Awards. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that would have been the first time that worship had been sung in that venue wow, or the word wow. of God had been taught in that venue. And um, it was very expensive in you to have it in. So that was a pain. But right. um, but just to put a real stake in Hollywood, yeah. and it was the women of God who were there. Right. You know, so that was a pretty powerful. Yeah. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then COVID. So we all obviously shifted to online, which is fine. And so now it's to me, I think um, I'm taking a little rabbit trail, yeah. but I think even COVID gave us permission to reevaluate. Sure. Mm. Right? To. Were we doing things just because that's how it was always done, or can we think differently? And and so this next year in 23, we're having another She Rises conference, and there's a church in Orange County that's going to host it. But I wanted to cap it at 500. Right. Said because I want to touch people. Sure. Yeah. And I want to see them, and I want to, and we're going to create a curriculum that we're offering to take them the next step Mm. because I just there's nothing wrong with the big events, and I'm not saying we won't ever have them, but. Just for a moment, I just, what does making disciples really look like and how can I do that? And so I'm just kind of asking some of these questions, you know, as I'm on this next, I don't have all the answers, but just wanted to try something a little bit different. What are some of the stories that's come out of your work in this area? Um, Oh, there's some great ones. So there have been, and what's also pretty interesting is just, this is what, when God breathes on something, you just, you walk through the doors, he opens. That's been my experience. And so from the very beginning, when the church, when the conference was just 600 women, and then, you know, got to thousands, but was little, there would be 50 senior pastor wives there or Mm. senior pastor chicks. And so then it just kept going till like the last one, there was 200 churches represented. And so leaders were there. And so then there was this mandate, I felt like for me to actually pour into those leaders. And so how can I help equip them? Mm -hmm you know, to yeah. fulfill the calling on their right. life. And, uh, and so um, anyway, so that's kind right. of been part of it. And then, so just seeing their story. So there've been women who've come who are thinking of leaving ministry. So wow. there've been that spectrum. So there's the leaders coming. Mm-hmm. And then there was this one year, there's this girl and she came and she handed me at the end, she comes up to me and she hands me a bag and she said, I don't want to be an addict anymore. Wow. So she hands me this bag and inside there is like, Meth, needles. I mean, and mm. I mean, so I found the, a security guard. And I went, here, you take that. Yeah. I'll take her. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So then. Take that, call the police. So just kind of walked with her through a few mm. seasons. And so there have been women who come out of sex trafficking. So there's just the spectrum, you mm-hmm. know, from the broken to the yeah. Yeah. the leader who's just yeah. needs somebody to believe in her. So right. yeah. it's kind so of the. And you do, you have uh, such a, a powerful mentoring passion that is extremely contagious. And, and, I think the role of relationships are important to you mm. and how you relationally connect and empower each other. So what are some ways that you help to foster that with these women's lives that you have the chance to pour into and invest in? Yeah, that um, and that's a, a good way to put it. So I feel like that has been something that has been a passion of mine for a year. So, mm. And it's just gotten bigger and now I'm trying to become way more strategic. And so since we handed off the leadership of the church, I feel like that's given me a margin to actually get strategic with what's in my heart to do as far as mentoring. So for example, one of the things I'm doing is I started something called Circle of Twelve. And there's it's twelve because I figured Jesus started with twelve, we should probably that's a a a great number. number. (laughs) And so I picked twelve pastor chicks. 
who are leading, all of these are leading churches with their husbands, you know, around the country. And I guess a couple were in Canada, but 12. And so this is now my second group. So I, they start with a retreat. So they come for a four-day retreat and actually bring a trauma counselor too. And then I have a friend, Donna, who is sort of my partner in crime in this. And uh, we do this uh, four-day retreat. And because I felt like what I was missing when I was that young girl, mm. young pastor, like trying to figure out how to reach people, I didn't have a spiritual mom. Mm. You know, the one who can hug you and spank you, that one. Yeah, right. And I didn't have a, a group of peers that I could tell the truth to. Wow. We all knew how to put the ministry mask on. Sure. We, like, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. You fine? We're good. We're fine. Because, but you didn't want to tell the truth. So, like, when your marriage was horrible, yeah. and all of our marriages have been horrible, sure. it's just seasons, yeah. but you didn't tell the truth about it yeah. because wow. then you might think differently about me. Mm. Or if your kids were strung out on something, you wouldn't tell because you might think. And so we weren't telling the truth. And so I didn't have that. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to do my best to create a community where these girls feel safe with each other. And so that's kind of what's happened. And so mm. we, we get in here and they tell the truth and they talk about what they're in the middle of. And then it allows me then to be spiritual mom, mm. right? To just yeah. come alongside. And I walk with them for nine months in this wow, particular program. Great. It's nine months. Mm -hmm. And then we start another one. And, and now a couple, we'll do a couple at the same time. But... So for me, it's that kind of thing that's really, you know, stirs me. And even what I did here on campus, it's, you know, I had that room full of uh, women in ministry students. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't help but go into mother mode, mm -hmm. right? And just tell the truth about, and honestly, even in the chapel, it's like, I'm going to go there. I'm right. going to hug you and, yeah, <laughs> and smack great. you at the yeah. same time, right? I just can't help. <laughs> because for me, it's like, I look at, you know, here and I, what I said to them t today in chapel, I said, by the, at the end of it, I went, you got next. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm not equipping you to stand strong when the storms and the, all the junk comes your way, then I did not do my job. Yeah. Right. Because Christianity is a relay race. And so when my lap's done, I'm handing it and you better keep running. Yeah. But we have a generation that wants what they want. They want it now, and they're not willing to. And when troubles come, they don't know what to do. And so yeah. we got to help them. So that's a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. You yeah. can't tell I'm excited about it. No, or super jazz. <laughs> well, here's the bigger thing is obviously, you know, there's lots of your group specifically, but then there, there's other movements around the country where this is happening. But there's still so many yeah. women out there. There's even women listening to this podcast right now that for whatever reason may not be able to get connected. Yeah. What can they start doing in their context to get access to that support to start developing that and growing? What's that first step they can take? And that's actually a very good question, Mr. Yeah. VP of Innovation. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Um, I'm never going to forget that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the pastor of innovation. There we go. Um, uh, it's a good question because sometimes we keep looking for, as a young, you know, we're all of us, just like Titus 2 mm, calls, yep. every man, you're an, you know, old man, take care of the mm, younger, yep. old woman, take care of the younger. And so the truth is any of us at any given moment are older and younger, mm. right? Yeah. And so when I'm in older woman mode, right, my job is to open my mouth and open my heart yeah. and my life to a generation coming up. And when I'm in young woman mode, yeah. then my job is to shut up. Yeah and listen, and learn, and follow. And mm. so I feel like sometimes there, and I'm both, right? There's women that I look to, and I'm not telling that, I'm not, you know, I'm not telling the woman who's mentoring me and how to do her life, I'm just watching her, yeah. right? And so there's women who've come alongside me, younger women, who just said, how can I help you do what you do? Yeah. And so it's like they kind of held my arms. Mm -hmm. And so those are the women, it's like, I'm running fast, so you gotta keep up. Mm -hmm. And so when, you, when that happens, you go, oh, here, let me help you. And so now they're like partners with me in a lot of things. And so yeah. I feel like sometimes we're looking to be mentored, but we're not actually willing to come alongside somebody. Yeah. So they're out there. Yeah. 
And so sometimes, I, you know, for those listening, and I understand what it is to want and crave, a, you know, a spiritual mom, spiritual dad. And I'm really sorry that we've been scarce because part of it, I think, is we're still focused on our life instead of opening our eyes to the needs of a generation. Yeah. And that's our bad. Um, but the other is then the, if you want a spiritual mom, go find her and ask how you can help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is she doing? What can you mm-hmm. come alongside her and do? Is it driving her someplace? Yeah. yeah. Is it doing a grocery shopping? I don't care. You're right. Yeah. Like find something right. that puts you in her space so that right. you can help her. Is she teaching yeah. somewhere? Just go sit mm-hmm. on the front row and listen. Right. Read and a, read and books. And probably with that too is it, is there's a sense that don't get so hung up on what a spiritual mom is supposed to look like. Like yeah. I've talked to so many students and different things. They're like, well, I'm looking for Superwoman, right? To or Superman to be my mentor and all this different stuff. And it's like. Dude, you're the person you're working. So I've literally I've had friends who they're working at smaller local churches, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I just don't have a mentor in my life." And I'm like, "You've got a pastor that's been pastoring for 25 years, the same community, and you're the youth pastor, and you don't consider that the mentor. Like you don't see, or they've got you know this older gentleman or older family in the kid. So it's that opening your mind that you you don't have to have a like they're probably there. They're probably right there. You just got to take a second to step into it. No, that's yeah. right. It's very good. And I also think we put, we expect one person to be it. Yeah. And so I think there are people who have um, mentored me in my marriage that are not the same people that mentored me in how to run a women's ministry, right. who are not sure. the same people who mentored me in my finances. So mm-hmm. it's just like, who do you... Right. You know, Put it's the pieces okay to have together. A, it's okay yeah. to have a few right. people that right. speak into your life. Yeah. Right. And it's right. okay for them to not, like you said, be the expert everywhere and no. not expect that. No, at, that's too much on one that, person. Right. And then be disappointed when they're not. Right. Right. And that's, I think that happens so many times that I've met with, with mentorships is you, you expect so much out of them and it's only, and that's not, we're all right. humans. We're all part yep. of that kind of thing. Yeah. Love it. You 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 are an incredible author and have written uh, uh, wonderful content that empowers and encourages. Your books Awaken, um, Love Works, Warrior Chicks, uh, and and the most recent publication Find Your Brave, mm-hmm. uh, Courage to Stand Strong When the Waves Crash. And tell us a little bit about your story. What motivated you to write uh, your brave? Specifically, how you personally have overcome some storms in your life. Yeah, it's interesting about writing because I'm a real extrovert. Are you guys Enneagram people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm a seven, eight, eight, okay, seven, depending cool. on the moment. Yeah, yeah I'm a three, right. four. Okay, so, yeah. Pretty. I'm. You know, those are the outspoken right. out there. And writing is a pretty solitary, which is you know torture for yeah. my mm. personhood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's not the easiest thing for me. So, I, oh, yeah. to be honest, I never. I know there are the artists and the creatives, and they go, "Oh, just put me in a little." You know, cabin yeah, right. and let me write, exactly. and I'm going to go, no, that would <laughs> be torture me for me. <sighs> oh, my gosh. I remember one time when Philip and I wrote Love Works, we were on vacation writing, which, first of all, that's a bad idea. Right. There goes the vacation. <laughs> right. And then we're, in, we're at the beach, so I'm like, uh, we're in this, you know, hotel overlooking the water I want to be swimming right. in, and we're writing a book, and I go, Philip, if we stay married through writing this book, it's going to be a miracle. Uh, anyway. Uh, so That's I'm not good. a big fan of the process, but I, there's just an element of I know I have to actually get the story out, or I'm right. a teacher, right? So you right. know you have to tell it. But Find Your Brave, which was um, kind of the recent one for me, came out of a really um, horrible, horrible season. It's the mm. only season, I think, in ministry that I ever really wanted to quit, mm. and um, it was brutal. Um, and 
it just it was like one bad thing after another. So it was like my father dying, and then we our savings account gets stolen, and the FBI got involved, but we never got that money back. So then I'm pr- trying to process the grief of my dad, and then my the loss of the money, and then Philip gets cancer, and then he gets the worst case of – it's just like then he's not functioning for seven or eight months, and so I'm trying to lead there. And then my daughter makes a horrible decision that I know is going to cost her, and – then people betray me who should have helped me during this season. So it was just a horrible season. Wow. And I just, I, I wanted out. I just, anywhere but here. Um, you know, it's like, God, I've been serving you all these years and you know, all the things we say. And um, so that this book came out of that. And I felt like my little compadre, if you will, through this really horrible, I, if I could cuss, I would say another word, season. <laughs> was the Apostle Paul. Mm. And and so that's the biblical through line through it is when he was you know, in that shipwreck and then he, mm. he made some decisions that saved everybody's life. Mm. And so I just felt like the, some of the decisions that I needed to make. And so I talk about some of that. So that was kind of the heart behind that book because I also feel like, again, <laughs> that um, there's a generation who are experiencing really intense, heavy things. Mm-hmm. And I need them to stand strong at the end of it. And yeah. I feel like some are abdicating their calling, abdicating their post, um, backing away, mm-hmm. and we need them to be able to stand, stand. when the waves hit. Stand so. strong. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the heart behind that. Yeah, that's great. That's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So probably head into our fire round right now. Right? Yeah. 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 We'll. Uh, <laughs> Great conversation. Always enjoy having you on the podcast. Thanks. So thank Thanks for having for me. That. This is and, awesome. Uh, so put your seatbelt on. We're going to okay. go into that fire round fire now. Round. And, it could uh, be because SE used the fire. It hell, it you know, be. it's a little on the, it was a little that, on the nose. It was creative, a little on the nose. You guys are so freaking creative. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. We're going to just ask you three questions. Oh, so it's Lord, not too much. Us. Okay. So Michael, fire away. Okay. All right. So what's your number one piece of advice for young professionals, women, but anybody really stepping into their their career is to live your life as if you've been entrusted with something and don't demand it. Mm-hmm. Love it. What's uh, one of the ways, or number one way, that church leaders can communicate authentically and and gracefully uh, in the times that we're living? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. And tell your bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell your own bad. Sometimes I feel like we forget to tell our bad. We're so busy telling people their mm-hmm. bad, and we don't own yeah. our failures yeah. and our mistakes. Yeah, that's good. It's so it. good. Love it. Last so, question. Last question. So how can spiritual moms out there right now start doing a better job cultivating mentorship relationships? Open your eyes and look around for a generation that needs to see you. Love it. They're there. Yeah. They're desperate for mm-hmm. you. Love it. It's so good. good. Love Holly, it. thank, thank you sure. for being on our show today, man. You're so, uh, what I love about you, you're just so real and authentic and transparent and you use your experiences to bring forth um, truth to change little lives. Well, thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. And thanks for being here on our campus. Of course. I love being here. It's like old home week. Yeah. Yeah, Investing, investing in our students. So if you want to stay up to date with Holly, you can follow her on Instagram, Twitter at Holly Wagner LA. You can also check out SheRises.com and Oasis Church at oasisla.org for all their content. Any other place we can look to or did we hit them all? Yeah, yeah. All the books available on Amazon, right? Yep, they're all Love on it. Amazon. Perfect. Cool. All right, Check close us out. out, Michael. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop onto there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.